colleagues. Uh, it's Wednesday. It's 11 a.m. Pacific, and I'm your hostess, Karen Tate, and uh, this is Voices of the Sacred Feminine Radio on Blog Talk. I want to thank you uh, for your uh, listener loyalty and calling in today. Uh, and I know many of you uh, have been listeners for a very long time. And uh, as you probably heard me say before, but I love to repeat, uh, you are the gas in my tank. So um, moving on to today's show, um, we have a, a great show scheduled. Although I will be honest and upfront, I am waiting for Trista Hendren to call in from Norway. Uh, we confirmed the show uh, not that long ago, um, you know, in the last few hours, but she hasn't called in yet. Nope, there she is. Uh, she's, uh, she's there with us, and uh, I'm going to unmute her in just a second here. Uh, but she is the uh, creator of the Girl God series, and uh, she's formerly of Portland, Oregon. She's now living in Norway, and she's going to be discussing with me today uh, the, with, uh, the, this topic, which is the title of her new book, uh, How to Live Well Despite Capitalist Patriarchy, uh, something uh, I'm sure uh, we all uh, would love some insight because it uh, feels like a, a struggle. Um, Trista and I will uh, delve into how we contribute to our own subordination under capitalist patriarchy, uh, how we can break free, uh, and the irony of many of us not getting paid for our feminist work. Uh, I know myself, I don't get paid to do this show. Uh, I have to pay to actually uh, give um, uh, you know, listeners uh, access to these wonderful guests each week. Uh, and I know so many of us uh, are the same. You know, priestesses out there that do rituals, um, you know, uh, they're, they're taking the money out of their pocket to rent the space, to buy the candles, uh, to get whatever supplies. Um, and let me tell you, if you're an author, uh, you're really not getting paid uh, what you're worth if you're a feminist author. Um, you know, the book business is, has not been, uh, you know, what it once was many years ago. You could practically say uh, those are slave wages or practically non-existent wages. So why aren't? Uh, we feminists getting paid for our work. Uh, our chat will also include discussion of self-care for women, um, how to demand more from our relationships, and you know what, an important topic of how we might create true sisterhood, because I know many of us have wounds uh, from other women, and uh, that is so unfortunate. Uh, the Equal Pay Act will be a topic, uh, as will um, how her experience now that she's been living in Norway, how that shaped Trista's views in terms of uh, what is possible uh, in other countries. So uh, anyway, uh, let, uh, let's get to this uh, important topic. And um, uh, just want to remind you, we will take a break at the half hour, and at that time, uh, possibly, or maybe at the end of my interview with Trista, uh, I have an interesting article I want to share with you um, that came from Pat, our roving goddess reporter. Uh, it's an awesome little article uh, titled, uh, Granny Killer Whales Pass Along Their Wisdom. Uh, it's, it's interesting. It really is interesting. And I want to thank Pat for continuing to send us um, uh, these great articles that I share with you. So anyway, um, Trista is with us, uh, calling in from Bergen, Norway. Uh, Trista, welcome to Voices of the Sacred Feminine. 
Hi, Karen. Thank you so much for having me, and I apologize for being late. I had a little bit of a technical difficulty. <laughs> you know what? That's okay. You made it in the nick of time. I was I was thinking to myself, okay, I'll just go ahead and read the article first instead of last, and I'm sure she'll call in by the time I finished you and that. Oh. <laughs> uh, but, but no, it, it worked yeah, out fine. Yeah, I was fine. badly trying uh, to I'm get glad to have... guys in the house that are good at uh, Ah. Well, listen, uh, because I didn't get a chance to tell you before we went live, let me mention to you, uh, you know, since I moved last year, I'm up in the mountains, and I am on a satellite phone, and there is a slight delay, um, you know, in the conversation, so we both have to be real careful to let each other finish a sentence before we jump in with our enthusiasm to comment, if you know what I mean. Um, So I just wanted to make you aware of that, okay? I just realized that, and I will do my best. <laughs> I tend to be a little too enthusiastic about things as it is. <laughs> no, I, I I know what you mean. It's hard. You know, you want to jump in and go, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it just ends up with this, uh, you know, this weird kind of awkwardness because of the technology. But, uh so anyway, uh, so yeah, uh, you know, I, honestly, Trista, I was not aware of this book of yours. I'm so aware of the Girl God series, which is an incredible, incredible series. Uh, anyone who doesn't know about these these books, please, after the show, not right now, uh, after the show, go to thegirlgod.com. Uh, there is a series of these wonderful uh, and beautiful and relevant and rich uh, important books that you've been putting out with uh, with an incredible author. I, I mean, artist. Um, you know, why don't you speak just a little bit about those uh, titles, Trista, uh, just to give listeners, um, you know, an, an idea if they don't know about it, uh, what's available there, and and tell us, tell them how these books are different. Well, so now we have over 25 Girl God books. Um, I did not author all of them. We have many anthologies. We have different children's books. Um, I started with uh, three books that Elizabeth Sletnis, also here in Norway, illustrated, and that was sort of my entry. Um, And those, I think, maybe kind of I've evolved as I've done this, um, coming from a person with a fundamentalist Christian background and then also a Muslim background, Um, are a bit more interfaith, and then as I've kind of gotten more into things, I've kind of moved away from that and more into goddess, although I always want to keep everything accessible to all women because I think goddess is a very scary word for a lot of women, um, coming from especially more traditional faith traditions. Um, So I also have done um, like New Love as a toolbox for reprogramming women who've come out of very patriarchal uh, conditioning, um, and I uh, that was with uh, Arna Bartz, who uh, is in Australia, has illustrated that, and then uh, she's done two additional uh, follow-up workbooks on her own with that um, on different topics, both uh, artistic and abundance, um, and then we've done like a whole bunch of different goddess uh, anthologies uh, and children's books, so we started with uh, Medusa, then we went on to Anana, then uh, Lilith. Um, I have to think now. <laughs> Isis, the Morgan, and Willendorf. And then um, 
yeah, we'll follow up. We don't have the children's books out on all of those yet, but um, many, many, many books <laughs> in process and they have already come out. So, like when people ask me about a book, it's kind of hard because I'm like, oh, there's a lot of them now, <laughs> and they're all different. So, <laughs> well, and and I and honestly, I didn't know you already had 25. Uh, wow, I'm I'm just sort of gobsmacked. Um, I I guess I haven't been um, you know keeping good track uh, of of you like I should. Uh, but but they're so beautiful. Um, I mean, they can be uh, the ones that I'm aware of. They're short. They can be read at bedtime. Uh, they have beautiful art inside. Uh, but yet, even though they're short and they're understandable for um, you know young people, um, I think the message is even you know it, it's it's good for adults as well. Um, wouldn't you say? Yeah, most of the books, um, the children's books are kind of written for both, um, especially the first three that I did. But actually all of them, I've heard that feedback that they are helpful for grown women. Um, I know the Girl God, a lot of women have used even like in therapy and um, just kind of reconnecting to that inner Girl God um, themselves. So, and, and with those, there's a lot of quotes and stuff too. So they're a little bit meatier than maybe your average children's book and the art is phenomenal. Like it's, um, I have several of Elizabeth's uh, original pieces here in my home and they're like, literally when like my daughter's friends come over, they will just sit and stare at them forever because you can see a million different things uh, in the paintings and uh, they're just really magical. Right. Well, and, and to come back around to, uh, you know, the book of yours that we're talking about today, uh, How to Live Well Despite Capitalist Patriarchy, is that, uh, do you consider that part of the Girl God series as well? Yeah. Um, you know, I think a lot of people might think I kind of go off on tangents, but to me it's all related. I also did a book on single mothers and uh and I'm trying to follow up on a book on financial abuse, but it's such a like never ending topic that it's almost been impossible to finish. But, um, but yes, because I mean, it goes into a lot of different topics and one of them is actually, or many of them relate back to goddess and how patriarchy has sort of turned everything upside down. So to me, like one of my frustrations with, I guess, modern feminism is like, it doesn't really give you a guide as to, okay, all this stuff is horrible that happens to women, but how do you move out of that and still have a good life despite it? Um, and that is something that took me pretty much, you know, four decades to kind of figure out. So it's, it's sort of a book that I wish I would have had, especially as a younger woman, because nobody tells you these things. It's not something that we talk about. Well, and I think that's a good point, too, Trista. You know, we vent about a lot about it. We write a lot about, you know, the the abuse uh, of women in capitalist patriarchy. And, you know, maybe sometimes, you know, we, well, we offer, uh, you know, goddesses a solution, you know, goddesses, deity, archetype, and ideal. Uh, but sometimes uh, I, I think you're right, uh, getting just um, – 
you know, solutions like, like uh, you know, you're going to talk about uh, today and, and you've written in your book. Um, so, yeah, so, uh, yeah, we know it. Uh, so uh, tell me how to help myself. So um, was there something in particular other than the obvious, uh, you know, having to um, – you know, try to exist under capitalist patriarchy. I mean, what inspired you to, um, you know, to write this book? Well, um, many things, but uh, I'll try to be to the point. <laughs> this is, could be a book itself. But three years ago, uh, I was, yesterday was my birthday, actually. I turned 45. But three years ago, on my 42nd birthday, I actually ended up in the emergency room. I had this horrible tumor. And which very well could have killed me. And um, I really kind of had to look at my entire life differently. Um, and I've been a single mother in the past. I've really, really struggled in so many ways financially to raise my kids. I didn't get child support for a long, long time. Um, so all of these things sort of fed into my frustration of like, okay, we know all these facts, but what can we do to get past them and like my passion now is like I really believe it's so important for women to have joyful lives and um, you know I think a lot of a lot of us feel like we can't like we're like stuck in this box and I mean part of that is true like a lot of the abuses against women are systematic and um, yeah it's hard it's hard to break free of that but I do think that to whatever degree we can do it uh, we owe it to ourselves to really find that best life that we can. Okay, and and I would and, and you know and I apologize. I missed that episode of you uh, being in the hospital and all of that. Um, and uh, that that must have been horrible. Uh, were you in Norway? I mean, did you end up with the uh, you know the hospital bills here in the United States, or were you in a better place because you were already in well, Norway then? Yeah, and see that's that's the other piece, and I and I wrote about this in the book that, um, you know, for a long time in the United States, I couldn't afford health insurance. I didn't have health insurance. Uh, my kids always did, but I mean, there were times when I barely had ten dollars to my name. And um, if this had happened to me in the United States, uh, first of all, I'd probably be dead, uh, if not definitely bankrupt. And um, you know most of the people that I know that have spent a week in the hospital in the United States ended up with hospital bills of like $100,000. I was worried actually because I, you know, I'm not someone who goes to the doctor a lot. I tend to be like pretty healthy and try to do things uh, naturally as much as possible. And so something had been going on with me for like a month. I didn't know exactly what it was. I kept going to the emergency room. They didn't really find anything for a while because all my blood tests were healthy. Thankfully the cancer or it wasn't cancerous. Um, but so I was kind of like thinking the whole time in the hospital, like, oh, you know, like I knew it wouldn't be that bad, but I knew, I figured I would have some sort of medical bills. And when I, when it was time for me to leave, I was like, okay, um, how do I sort out the bill and everything? And they said, there is no bill. And I was like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> and they said, yeah, we don't, in Norway, we don't charge for a hospital stay. Um, the only thing that I had to pay is when I left the uh, hospital, I still had some medications, and so I spent about $35 on prescriptions, um, and that was it. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it, it's egregious what's going on here in the United States. You know, all in the name of greed, and. Um, you know, and I and I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but I am so glad to see uh, Bernie Sanders uh, leading in the polls in California and New Hampshire, and it's neck and neck with him and Biden in Iowa, uh, because uh, you know it, if if uh, both of these parties and the Democrats as well, because I know this, you know the uh, moderate centrist Democrats who really aren't moderate. You know, we've been pulled so far right that the middle is really no longer the middle. Uh, um, you know, I know they hate that uh, the people want what Bernie is offering uh, because, you know, we've had these crumb, uh, crumbs of incrementalism for so long. Uh, you know, the middle class is destroyed. Uh, like you said, you know, we go bankrupt if we end up in the hospital a week. Uh, you know, we just can't keep going on like this. And um, like you, I have other friends. I mean, you're, you know, this is not an anomaly that you're speaking of. I, I mean, I have a friend that just moved to Sweden, and she ended up in the hospital with an ulcer and um, you know she was in the hospital several days I think like three or four and I believe her bill was only uh, prescriptions like $25 or something and uh, it, it's just incredible to me that Americans want to shoot themselves in the foot and not vote in their best interests uh, and make sure you know we have these same sorts of benefits that uh, you know, other countries in the Western world have. It's it's just amazing to me the masochism of Americans. Well, and there's also kind of I think um, some confusion around the tax rates because you really, unless you're super rich, you're not really paying that much more in taxes um, in Norway or or many of these other countries that offer benefits. So it's kind of fear-based that you know, oh, socialism is so scary, but um, I mean, there really isn't a true socialist country anywhere in the world at this point. Um, but I would say living here is night and day different in terms of, you know, and I, I wish I had had my children here when they were younger because it's it's completely different. The system is completely different for children, and mothers are much more supported um, than they are in the U.S., and, you know, child care is not exactly free, but it's, it's not going to, you know, bankrupt you. You're not going to have to choose between working and, uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, for me, once I had my second uh, child, I was it was almost impossible for me to work a regular job in the United States. Yeah, well, and 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 you know, and and what Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are talking about is democratic socialism, not socialism. So, you know, when the right or the uh, the moderate uh, Democrats, you know, start using the S word and fear mongering with it, um, socialism is different than democratic socialism, like you know the Scandinavian countries have. And I'll tell you, you know, like Bernie says, um, uh, you know, you might pay a little bit more in taxes, but you're going to save so much because you're not going to have any insurance premiums, you're not going to have any out-of-pocket co-pays. Um, I mean, let's face it, you know, I mean, uh, in Scandinavian countries, you pay a little bit more in taxes, but your social safety net, uh, free education, free health care, um, uh, I mean, I think child care, uh, I mean, so many other things there that uh, uh, I, I just, I don't know, it, I'm gobsmacked that Americans here are resistant to having an easier 
uh, way of life. And uh, plus, the, I think, wasn't it the Prime Minister of Norway, was it, or Finland? I'm sorry, I, I'm confused now. But she's also started talking about uh, a four-day work week and a six-hour day, I mean, to try to bring mm-hmm. our lives more in balance. You know, um, it, yeah, it, the have you life. heard about that? Yeah, I, I would say even without that, the work-life balance is so much better here. I mean, like the working hours, most people, I would say, I think the average here is about 37 hours a week. But you also have, you know, much more vacation time, so many holidays. If if you want to, you know, go to your kid's uh, teacher conference, uh, nobody blinks. It's just a given that you would go. Why wouldn't you, you know? <laughs> and, you know, if your kid is sick, you get... Um, proportional days for depending on how many children that you have you get more the more children that you have so there's so much more flexibility uh, with home and life balance uh, even without that four-day week yeah yeah and it you know it kills me when Americans want to take pride in uh, you know the, the fact that uh, oh they work so hard you know we're so productive and you know they're killing themselves you know, it, it's like it's been conditioning, and I think that goes back to the capitalist patriarchy, you know, this idea of, you know, our topic today, um, and maybe that's one of the ways uh, we become, uh, you know, we contribute to our own subordination, but, you know, and, and I want to know what you have to say about that, but I can, in my mind, uh, when I read you know that was one of your your the topics you wanted to talk about under this you know uh, you know overarching topic. I thought you know it's it's like we always talk about pull yourselves up by your own bootstraps even if you don't have any bootstraps and uh, you know and and uh, yeah so you're it's like this pride in working 50 and 60 hour uh, weeks uh, I mean hours a week and um, I mean it's insane I mean I think we've just been brainwashed. Yeah, it's really not healthy, and um, yeah, I do have a couple chapters that touch on that, actually, because I think rest is so important, and, you know, I used to be a mortgage broker for 13 years before I veered off in this direction, and I worked, you know, 60, 70, 80 hours a week, and I thought I was awesome, you know, that's probably why I ended up with a tumor. I mean, I just pushed and pushed and pushed, and uh, nobody is meant to be a machine and you need time to rest and recover for women it's really important that we honor our cycles and you know I've totally shifted how I live my life and uh, and I I rest a lot now you know especially the last three years if I want to sleep in and I'm able to or you know if I go back to sleep after the kids go to school or whatever I mean I used to be sick more than I was well and now I'm very rarely sick because I really am on top of uh, everything like I try to eat really well I try to juice I try to exercise do yoga and but rest I think is one of those really really key things that we're really selling ourselves short on yeah well you know um, I, uh, I I mentioned uh, in a couple of previous programs briefly uh, about Sharon Blackie's book if women rose rooted and one mm. of the things from that book that stuck with me is escaping from the wasteland uh, and you know getting out of this brainwashed uh, cycle you know that we're in and um, uh, and, and you know and, and it does it, it does feel like a wasteland you know it feels like we are oppressed 
depressed. It feels like, you know, many of us are working multiple jobs, slave wages, uh, not enough benefits, you know, that have been taken away from us drip by drip by drip over the last few decades. I mean, look, I remember when, you know, banks used to pay you 12% interest on a savings account, where when you made a deposit in your savings account, they gave you a gift, you know, I mean, those things were real, and um, it, 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 it's just incredible how things have deteriorated. And so speak to, you know, how, how do we contribute to our own subordination uh, under this capitalist, uh, pred- and I, I'd like to say predatory capitalist patriarchy? Yeah, so I you actually really encouraged me to read that uh, book. I'd had it on my Kindle for a long time, and you you wrote such a beautiful, um, I think it was a blog post um, about If Women Rose Rooted, and um, she really um, touches on this, I think, really well. You know, I mean, she was kind of in that similar kind of rat race. Um, but, you know, I think it's, I don't, I hate to say, like, that we're responsible for it because it seems like we're blaming women, but I think that, we are so indoctrinated pretty much from birth to serve men. And, you know, uh, especially those of us that grew up in, like, very Christian households, it's like the man comes first and, you know, the woman prepares all the meals and cleans and cooks and does all these things. And, like, you know, I love my mother to death, and she's not the same woman now, but growing up she was very, like, the house servant in a way. (laughs) Like, you know, everything was for the male God figurehead and so I think just pulling ourselves out of this mindset and just looking at some basic figures um, in terms of like how much work women are actually doing across the board in most households almost everywhere (laughs) um, we kind of need a little bit of a wake up call first and then kind of some healing around that like just taking a little bit more time little by little every day for ourselves and not giving so much of our time and our energy and resources away to men because I think that that is the default for most of us. Yeah, it, because, I mean, it, it is, it's going to take a shift because, you know, we've been indoctrinated to take pride in that, um, you know, almost servitude for some women. I mean, uh, the uh, conversations I've had with some women that uh, have escaped, uh, especially fundamentalist Christianity, uh, you know, I mean, basically they're breeders, they maybe have seven or eight kids, they take care of the house, they, you know, they have a part-time job, uh, you know, or or they're running a business out of the house, and I I mean... Look, I'm not saying, and I'm sure you're not saying either, you know, don't take pride in your accomplishments. Don't be ambitious. But when we get to the point where we put, um, you know, our health at risk, when we don't realize our own value, when we believe that, you know, we were put here to uh, be in service to anyone for that matter, I think. You know, I think we're not valuing ourselves. And, um, and, and you know, in that lack of self-esteem or that role that we are accepting for ourselves, um, you know, is I, I think is only going to, uh, put us in a place, um, and I, I hate to say it, I mean, I've been avoiding the phrase, but in a way kind of keeps us down. Uh, it, 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 um, we don't have a good quality of life, you know, because I, I think to myself all the time, where do we ever see anybody saying to us, 
what's your quality of life like? You know, do you have a good quality of life? Nobody ever says that to women, I don't think, Trista. You? No. No, I I really think it's something that we need to spend a lot more time pondering, which is hard because we don't have that much time because we're doing so much for everybody else. But I think it it does take a shift, and it takes a shift first in the woman and then in the entire family. And I think being here, too, has been really opening um, for me, eye-opening, because, you know, Norwegian men are, are expected to do a lot more. Like, I mean, my children's father didn't really do anything. <laughs> um, and so, you know, coming here, it's really like I remember one of the first uh, birthday parties I went for my daughter. I was just, like, shocked because it was like the father was a CEO, and he had the uh, birthday party. He had this really fancy um, office, so he had the birthday party there. And when I came to pick up my daughter, he was sitting there vacuuming. And I had never seen anything like that in my life, especially from someone like, you know, that did well, you know. Like, it's like the man, especially at that level, is, you know, has someone doing all that stuff for him. And um, it was really shocking to me, which, I mean, it seems like such a small thing. And now that I'm here, it's, it's a lot more normalized to me. But, um you know, I think especially in America, we are really treated, especially in like some of these more fundamentalist Christian enclaves that I came from, that the man is the king and, you know, he doesn't do that much. Right. Well, and, and again, you know, my friend in Sweden, um, you know, her husband does a lot more than most American husbands do as well. You know, uh, I mean, it's just a different mindset, totally. And uh, I mean, I think, uh, you know, we and, and like you said, you know, it's not that we're blaming women. You know, we have been in, all indoctrinated uh, in condition to uh, think these are our roles and that if we're not doing these things, well, we're not a good wife or uh, or something like that, you know. Uh, and uh, you know, but I but I think the uh, until we start to look at these things, then you know, how will we ever break free? I mean, do you have tips for women on breaking free? Yeah, um, <laughs> I think. It, it is definitely a, a gradual process, and what I, I should have sent you a copy of the book, actually, now in retrospect. Um, I kind of broke it down. I think there's about 60 different chapters, and I tried to kind of go in, which was hard, actually, for me. I kept rearranging in the order that I thought that they needed to be in, um, in terms of, like, lifting, because it's like layers, right, of, like, conditioning and, you know, what you're supposed to be, and, you know, I mean, there's so many different factors in terms of how women are oppressed and a lot of it is religion a lot of it is uh, financially I think financial is a huge uh, thing uh, sexuality is a huge thing I mean um, I have a whole chapter about uh, the importance of orgasms and you know the uh, orgasm gap which is also really fascinating it's, you know uh, how many women are not even having orgasms at all or some of them have never had orgasms and I think uh, that's a huge piece as well you know there's all these uh, <laughs> overlaying uh, things, you know, where it's like, yeah, in terms of, like, how are we enjoying our lives, not very much, I don't think. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and uh look I don't have I don't have children, uh, but you know, just stuff that uh you know, I see on television, uh you know, uh or news articles, uh, you know, kind of piggybacking on your you know, on, on your comment about orgasms, which I totally agree with. You know, uh you know, young girls I think are getting really the wrong messages about what sex is supposed to be. Um, you know, they uh you know, do um you know, they do all sorts of things that uh, they don't even consider a big deal, don't even consider sex. Uh, you know, boys are looking at porn and think that's, you know, the way to be a man and that's what women want. And uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, are, are those problems over there in Scandinavia as well, or, or is this just an American issue? Oh, well, we could do several shows just on this. I Yeah, it's a problem everywhere. Porn, I think, is a problem everywhere. Um, I have a teenage son, so we talk a lot about that. I actually had him read um, Gail Dine's uh, Pornland last summer. As I, I have this deal with him, like, you can, I'll buy you pretty much the books that you want, but you also will have some feminist design rating. Um, but I do have to give, it, it's not a show I would have probably watched, but there was this excellent um, Netflix special uh, Gwyneth Paltrow had, and she had Beck, Betty uh, Dodson on. Dodson? I think so. Um, I think everyone needs to see this show. And, and they get to this point of um, there's a woman, uh, and I can't remember, I think she was from uh, Taiwan, but she talks about how she was very repressed growing up where she was coming from. And they interrupt her, and they're like, no matter where we give these, workshops there is no culture anywhere in the world anywhere where women are encouraged to explore their own sexual pleasure and um, that really hit me and I think it's it's really true I think I think that is one of like the really last remaining frontiers for us as women is owning our pleasure in our bodies and our vulvas and you know we're not encouraged to love any of these things we're taught you know to hate them in fact I would say and um, I think it's just really important that we reclaim them. Yeah, yeah. I had a show on. Um, oh, I want to say sometime in the last few weeks um, on with a woman talking about yoni stones and uh, you know the benefit of yoni stones and. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, you're you're so right. I, I mean, we're again, you know, we're. We we just neglect ourselves. We neglect ourselves in in so many ways, and uh, and and you know, sexuality, I, I believe, is uh, one of those sort of goddess uh, ideas. You know, the you know we have the red tents, uh, you know that that help us, you know, uh, go back to sort of nurturing each other, to you know, get in. Um, good relationship with our body and our cycles, and uh, and I'm sure some of the red tents, you know, maybe also get into this idea of um, of sacred pleasure. I mean, Rianne Eisler wrote a book uh, called Sacred Pleasure, which I have to admit I've read all of her books except that one. I think, uh, you know, sacred, you know, uh, not pleasuring myself is not one of my problems. This. Uh, this time in life, uh, but I know it is, you know, for, for so many women because we've come from this background where, um, you know, it, it was so taboo, uh, you know, uh, anyway. Um, so uh, now I mean, that's, uh, you know, 
well, speak to that if you if you know uh, speak to that a bit then. Well, I I have teenagers, and um, so that's something that I've tried to impart on both of them that to allow them to feel, and I hope to nurture their full sexual autonomy, and also for my son, I feel like I have a responsibility to him as his mother for his future partners to be open about sexuality and female bodies and, you know, how they work and when we bleed and what's going to happen, you know, if he's with a woman and she starts her period. And I I said something to him about that the other day. He's like, Mom, I'm not a jerk. I know. (laughs) So I think I've done an okay job, I hope, with that. But I think, you know, it has to be with both um, male and females and everybody in between, but like that we just get really clear and honest about um, female pleasure and, and, and that there has to be, um, I don't think we're at all, I don't even like to use the word equal. I was trying to think of the right word for that, but I think so often sex now, and especially for young people is about the male orgasm and um, we aren't focused enough on female pleasure and it's really important. And that was another thing going back to that show that, um, they asked Betty Dodson, do you think female orgasm is important? She's like, can I swear? <laughs> is it okay to swear? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, oh, okay. <laughs> I have to watch my potty mouth, but she said, absolutely. <laughs> and you know, she's 90 years old. It was so great to hear her say that, but she said, would you like to get to the point where you're just about to sneeze and then stop? And I, I'd never heard it that way, but yeah, that's kind of how you feel. Like if you're, in bed with someone and you're ready to go and they're done, it's extremely frustrating. And like, I just wonder how many women are walking around like extremely frustrated and that can't be a good thing for anyone. No, because I I think, you know, men haven't been mentored uh, to feel like it's their responsibility uh, to make sure maybe their, their wife or their girlfriend, um, uh, is pleasured as well, you know. Uh, it's kind of all about them, and you know, probably you know, we women, uh, you know, have let them get away with that. Uh, you know, once he's done, well, you know, uh, and and look, and 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 maybe it could be too uh, because the sex isn't that good, and they're just going through the motions. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, you know, there's probably some of that. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's an awful lot of communication that uh, needs to happen that isn't happening. Um, well, I, you know, we, we've talked a little bit about, you know, how important self-care is. And, you know, we, 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 you know, kind of glossed over it. But I think most women probably know how important it is to honor, you know, our cycles in a world that doesn't, you know, value rest or honor the feminine. Um, did you want to say any more about either of those before we go on to uh, women who've been wounded uh, in creating a true sisterhood? Well, yeah, I mean, this is another thing that could be a whole separate show. There is a Red Tent Summit coming up next month with Diana Lamb, and I, I hope people will listen into that and it will go deeper into Red Tents uh, in women's circles. But I, I really think that... Um, it's so important if you're not involved in a woman's circle or a red tent to get involved. I mean, that is like the number one thing that you could really do for yourself right now. And like I always say, like you can always heal your own life 
yourself on your own, but you will heal 10 times faster if you come together with other healthy women with the same sort of goal. I mean, it's just amazing what can happen in, in uh, red tents and women's circles. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I can't say enough good about the red tent. So, you know, listeners, if you're out there, uh, please uh, try to find out if there's a red tent in your neighborhood. Uh, Google red tents. Uh, use the Divine Feminine app uh, maybe even as a way to, um, you know, look for those uh, sorts of things. And uh, if anyone out there uh, wants you know, wants to connect and can't find one, email me. And I know a lot of people that do a lot of red tents around the country, and I'm sure if I can't find you one, they can. Um, so don't let, um, you know, not knowing how to get to one, uh, you know, stop you because, uh, you know, we, we're, we're trying to do our best networking uh, to, you know, help and support women everywhere. And, and I guess in a way that's even a good segue to the idea of creating a true sisterhood. Um, I mean, look, I'll, I'll be honest, um, uh, you know, people who know me, uh, you know, I, I have not been shy to say, uh, you, know, I'm, you know, I'm not always even a believer that it's going to be women who are going to save the world. Uh, I believe it's more the values of the feminine. Uh, more than, uh, you know, what genitalia you have. And, you know, and I have that attitude uh, because I've been misused and treated badly by more women than men in my life. Um, so, and, and I, I crave um, a healthy sisterhood. And I, I guess I'd, I'd just love to hear what you uh, have to say about uh, the, the wounds that we get in, um, you know, from other women, Trista. Yeah, I have a, actually a, at least one chapter about that, and specifically, and I quote quite extensively from um, Women's Inhumanity to Women by Phyllis Schessler. And um, I think every woman should read that book. She has nine points. I think I quoted three of them in there that were my favorite. But um, I think it's really important just to get a perspective of, you know, the damage women have done to each other. And also, you know, look at what we may have done to other women because that's maybe sometimes the hardest part. Um, And just from there you can find the healing. Um, You know, nobody's perfect. I think we're all evolving. And some of us, you know, um, maybe have – wounds in our family line that were difficult to um, to really formulate relationships with women. But I, I always think that everything can be healed. And like um, no matter how difficult your relationship has been, um, I think just doing the work in yourself, you will almost, I wouldn't say automatically, but you'll see changes in the other women around you as you work on yourself. I certainly have. Well, and and if I could maybe add to that, and and please, if you disagree with me, um, uh, please say. I mean, it won't hurt my feelings or anything. Uh, But I think there's also something to be said about two things. Um, One, I believe patriarchy encourages women to distrust one another. Um, They put us in competition from the time we're little girls to compete for men. 
Um, and the other thing is I think too often women stay in toxic relationships with other women um, for probably multitudes of reasons, but we tolerate um, bad treatment from other women, um, you know, and, and I think that's something we have to look at too, you know, getting toxic relationships no matter where they're coming from out of our life because I think we've normalized abuse way too much. Your, your thoughts? I, yes, I agree with you so much, and I do have a chapter on that too. I am not a person at this point in my life who believes in engaging with toxic people, and I have no problem actually uh, parting ways. I mean, it doesn't mean you have to hate the person. It's just if it's not healthy for you, and, then, you know, there's always a chance maybe later down the road you'll be in different places. And But, yeah, I don't think it's healthy, um, you know, just like we kind of normalize abusive men. I think uh, a lot of relationships with men are abusive. Uh, a lot of marriages are abusive, and we don't even really call them abusive, but they're certainly not marriages that I would want to be in. Um, but, you know, same with women, uh, and I've been in this, situation myself at times too where you know maybe it's been a long time relationship and I have like a I'm sentimental about it but it's not a healthy relationship so um, yeah I don't advocate for putting up with abuse from anyone um, I I think though if you go to a woman's circle in a red tent uh, I don't I, I'm trying to scan my brain but I can't think of anyone that I've come across that either of those two groups that I would term toxic. I think most of the people that are going to those sorts of events are actively working on their own stuff and probably just not interested in that themselves. Yeah. And and your your thoughts, I mean, do we think um do we think patriarchy encourages women to distrust one another? Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. No doubt. Okay. Um, so um, the Equal Pay Act, um, tell, me, tell me what you wanted to share about that. Yeah, I mean, well, it's extremely frustrating to me that it hasn't been modified yet. I mean, I guess we're moving closer. I don't follow U.S. news as much as I probably should anymore, but... Um, yeah, I mean it's it's completely ridiculous, and, and and honestly, there really isn't equal pay anywhere yet. Even Iceland, you know, they say uh, that they've made it illegal, but it's still I think like 2026 that they've given them to make sure that everything is that way in practice. So in practice, nowhere in the world do we have equal pay for women anywhere. So um, back to what you were asking, I also think you know going back to this. Uh, idea of feminist work that we have this idea that like uh, we should just be doing it out of the good of goodness of our heart which I completely disagree with um, and it's something that I have done myself for a long long time and when I was writing this book and talking about equal pay and everything I was like wait a minute <laughs> but what about all these feminists that are doing all this work for free and you know like I don't want to name names of people like living now because everybody is you know I think money can be a shame filled um, subject and it's hard for people to talk about but I mean so many feminists are doing so much work and, and you know literally sometimes killing themselves and they are you know broke and they don't have really enough money to, to live on and um, you know I mentioned uh, Barbara Moore 
uh, who co-wrote the Great Cosmic Mother in the book specifically, because it like, you know, at times she was homeless writing that book in the library, and you know, people don't realize this, and maybe even like fast forwarding to today, you know, I think there are a lot of feminists out there doing really good, important work that you know, at their own peril, and we don't support that work, and you know, I don't think that all the time it's a lack of money. I mean, certainly systematically women do have less money than men, and there's a reason behind that, because it's control, but uh, I also see women spending a lot of money on other things to maybe make themselves look good for a man, and then there seems to be no lack of money, but when it comes to actually spending money on things that would improve their own life, I think women are really hesitant to invest in themselves. And the result of that is that feminist work is often unpaid. Well, and I'm going to say something that might not go over very well here, but, you know, you and I are being honest. We know each other and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, we're in agreement on this. Um, I hate to say it, but sometimes I think it's just a matter of jealousy, too. Um, and I'm going to reference the film that uh, uh, Wonderland Entertainment put out, Femme Women Healing the World. Uh, the producer put years of work, and this was a man, okay, but he put years of work into that film, which Sharon Stone helped produce. Um, my knowledge of it is that he ended up going bankrupt because he couldn't get women across the globe, basically, or in the United States, to pay $5 to even download that film. $5, Trista, $5. And the kind of feedback I heard was, oh, well, um, you know, know, the the film wasn't perfect, or it was too long, or, well, how did they choose the people who were, uh, who they interviewed? And the subtext of that is, why wasn't I invited to, uh, you know, be one of the people interviewed? And it, you know, and it was like these comments just kind of ate at me, because I thought, can't you be proud that, you know, this is out there, that this message is going out there, you know, can't you just try to support the message? And, you know, and, and, I, I, and I just have to say it, it bugged the hell out of me. Uh, and it, it, it uh, kind of made me lose faith in women, you know, women supporting the cause, women supporting other women, uh, because it felt like, you know, more of the comments were critiques and uh, jealousy than, gee, look, you know, here's a great guy who's who's an ally who's trying to help us make the world a better place. And um, I, I don't know, it just it, it just bugged me to, to no end, and it still bugs me. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, even, in, and I'm sure this will resonate with you, but, I mean, I've probably given away more books than I've sold because I do the Kindle giveaways whenever I'm able to and whatnot. But I can't even, you know, if everybody who had read one of my books would take two seconds and write a review, it would change everything. Um, <laughs> we'd sell a lot more books. The message would get out there quicker. But even when I give books away for free, it's just like people still don't even want to take the time to write a review which it actually does kind of burn a little bit and it's you know I just feel like it's not that much to ask really Um, and I don't care if you want to write a bad review just do something you know like uh, I don't know but I I do feel like the lack of support 
is it, it, <laughs> at times really makes me want to give up. Yeah, yeah, I I know. Uh, I I know what you mean, and and you know, and I don't mean this to turn into a bitch session, but you know, I wonder how many people out there have thought about what we're talking about or know the reality of it. Because I know with my books, some of my books I maybe make a dollar or two off of by the time, um, you know, I have to pay to have it shipped to me. The publisher takes their cut. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes I can't even sell books when I uh, do a two-for-one, buy one at regular price, get a second one free. Um, you know, at the end of my show, a lot of times I'll, I'll ask people to make a donation, you know, because if uh, 100 people make a $5 donation, that would pay for you know, uh, you know, dozens of shows to stay on the air, you know. And I don't know if it's because people are ashamed to make a $5 donation, but, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it, it feels like everyone wants us to continue to do this free, and some of us are in the position that we can, but I think in the long run um, they will lose uh, foremothers and way showers because we simply can't afford to do it anymore. And that hurts all of us, I think, in the long run. Yeah, and it also limits the number of women who are able to do this work. You know, like if something happened to my husband, I would be – basically. I mean, and he's extremely supportive. He not only, you know, he doesn't complain about anything, but he also does a lot of the work for me. He does my website, does everything, you know, like, um, but, you know, both of us are putting in a tremendous amount of work, uh, and until fairly recently, it pretty much was me funding everything, and, uh, you know, still, it's... <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I don't have much to show for nine years of work. Yeah, yeah, I, look, I agree, and, and my husband has been uh, been there. You know, I've even dedicated books to him, you know, saying he's the wind beneath my wings because uh, the very same sort of thing, uh, you know, uh, lets me spend money that uh, could go to other things, uh, you know, helps with tech support, uh, just the schlepping back and forth to events. Uh, I, I mean, uh, you know, basically has supported all my endeavors. And, um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, it's an important message that women support other women. And uh, and, and we not um, maybe um, judge ourselves by other women because sometimes I think um, – you know, I I don't know. You know, I think maybe sometimes women, you know, they they look at someone who has a few books out or they're successful doing this or that, and uh, they get the idea that they're rich or uh, that life is a whole lot easier than maybe it really is, and they think they don't need the help and the support. Um, so, you know, that's just some, I think, some food for thought uh, as well. Um, but, you know, going back yeah. to, uh, you know, uh, your your book, you know, How to Live Well Despite Capitalist Patriarchy, did you want to name some of the chapters in the in the book or was, uh, you know, were there some other points, you know, that you wanted to make um, in terms of, uh, you know, how women can have a better quality of life in spite of the predator capitalism? 
I should have brought a book down here with me. Unfortunately, my cat, who I love, uh, knocked over my laptop, though, and I have a new one, and I don't have all my files with me, so I don't have an easy way to do that. Although I will say that Mongo uh, has been excerpting, uh, and I think they just came out with the um, fifth excerpt. I think it was today or maybe it was yesterday, but it was about don't stop buying into patriarchal beauty standards. Um, which is another big one for me. Um, and then I think they did the intro, and I don't remember a couple different things, but they've been really great about um, sharing excerpts from the book and whatnot. Um, so, yeah. Who was – I'm sorry, I didn't catch. Who was that uh, that's sharing the, the excerpt? Oh, uh, we turned to Mago. Oh, okay, okay. Um, it, but, you know, on that topic of, uh, you know, patriarchal ideas of beauty, uh, that, that is one of my pet peeves, too, you know. I mean, uh, the amount, uh, you know, the millions and billions of dollars that, um, uh, you know, women sink into the cosmetic industry, into the beauty industry. And, you know, do we stop and think uh, at the, you know, at the crux of all of this is we think we're not good enough. I mean, they're sending us these messages that we're, you know, our, our bodies uh, are not good enough. We're never thin enough. You know, we're, we're never beautiful enough. Uh, you know, we need, uh, you know, this and that and the other thing. And, uh, yeah, um, I, I feel like, uh, again, you know, it's it's all about making everything a commodity. I mean, we've gotten to the point where, I mean, absolutely everything is a commodity, and 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 it's sick, really, uh, because I I don't think this is really about the beautification of women. I think it's it's just about. Um, uh, you know, putting out a narrative that makes someone money. I mean, I know that there's this show that comes on television here, um, Adam Ruins Everything. And uh, I like to listen to it sometimes because he really gets to the heart of things, like the diet industry. Um, or you know how do you know the uh, the wedding industry uh, and all the money that's spent in these sorts of industries, and um, and and we start to see that advertising is what really sucks sucked us in. Um, to uh, some of the traditions that we have, some of the beliefs that we have, some of the actions and way of life that we have. You know, it's all about the advertising because somebody wanted to make money. And um, I don't know. I'm at the point in my life where I believe greed should be considered a sickness. And um, and I know that might sound crazy, but I would love, you know, I hope sometime in my lifetime we get to the point where it is treated like a sickness and greed becomes taboo instead of what we should all aspire to. Yeah, and I, I, I love that show. I'm glad you reminded me of it because I, I just saw a few of them. I, don't, I think it was like three or four years ago, and then I just kind of forgot about it, but he, that's a great show. Um, in, in the book, I kind of build upon all these things, and so this patriarchal beauty standards is kind of early on, and, and, and how it leads into other things. And I, I know I've quoted you, I think I made a meme at some point about how it's like 70% of women in the United States retire in poverty, and I kind of tie in all these numbers, you know, like we spend 
so much money as women as a whole, not to say any specific women, but on the whole, we spend billions and billions of dollars to fit into this patriarchal ideal that none of us will probably ever attain the way that we're supposed to. Um, and with, you know, not to mention all the time and energy that we spend on these things as well, but, you know, also, you know, when you tie in the pay gap, <laughs> the fact that we're already starting out with less money and then we're spending all this money that men don't spend to make ourselves appealing to men, it's actually kind of crazy making. And then, you know, of course, we end up broke when we're, you know, supposed to retire um, because <laughs> we already start off behind and then we're doing things that make it worse, you know. And, uh, I mean, I don't blame women for wanting to do those things because we're really conditioned to think that, we have to do those things or we're not acceptable. But, you know, when you actually look at the, at the reality of the statistics, it's kind of eye-opening and mind-boggling that, like, why are we still doing this? And like you said, are, yeah. are we really becoming more beautiful for all these things? Not in my opinion. I don't think so. But, you know, to each her own. Well, and and look, you know, and and I'm not ashamed to say that probably in the last year and a half, I have probably put on makeup five times, and I don't even uh, own a pair of high heel shoes anymore. (laughs) I don't. And and you know what? I don't feel bad about it. I I just don't feel bad about it because, um, uh, you know, I I am thinking about my quality of life and – you know, and 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 part of that is is my comfort. Uh, so anyway, I mean, it might be a small thing, but um, in, in a way, it's it's my you know giving the middle finger to the patriarchy in a sense. Yeah. So so Trista. Yeah, um, it's many people. You know, <laughs> Well, um, did you did you want to talk any more about um, how living in Norway has uh, kind of shaped your views about what's possible in other countries, or did do you feel like we covered that adequately? Yeah, I mean, I think I mean we could do another show on that too, but it's um, you know I think we we probably covered it enough for for most people, you know, and and I do have a chapter about that in the book, and you know I say like of course this is not probably realistic for most people and probably a lot of people will think I'm crazy for putting this chapter in but I did want to qualify that when I moved to Norway I was I had not received child support for a long time I had like no money to my name I didn't know the language didn't have a way to get there I literally sold everything I had Uh, I lived with my first husband and my children for like a week or so before we could even scramble up enough money to buy the tickets and it was just like putting together this crazy plan that you know, sort of insane, and I don't even know if I knew that I could do it at that time, but I I do think that it is valuable to look at other countries, even if you think, like, oh, that seems insane, like, to say, just go live somewhere else. It's not really what I'm saying. I think what I'm trying to convey is that looking at other countries where things are better for women and children gives us an idea of what is possible, and I think that's really important because when you're stuck uh, in this mindset of, like, this is how it is, you can't really see what is possible. Right. Um, yeah, I, I do totally agree. And, I mean, and, and that's the, I, in a way, I think that's, in a way, the whole idea of goddess spirituality. You know, um, we've been trying to uh, mentor each other about um, rethinking everything. 
you know, rethinking everything from what we've been taught in school to, uh, you know, what we believe is history. Um, I, I mean, it, it's almost as if we have to, you know, we need an um, intervention uh, just to kind of escape, um, you know, the mindset that we were born into because it, it does very little for us. Um, you know, it keeps us ignorant and keeps us um, keeps us down. And uh, yes, you know, we we do need to look other places that you know will give us some clues. Because until we can imagine it, you know, until we can vision it, um, you know, we certainly can't create it and manifest it in our lives. I mean, I think that's what it boils down to. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, hugely important and, and, and a reason why I think also it's really important for women to map out what they want in their lives, uh, even if it seems like completely something that they could never achieve at the moment. Like I, every year I have a different journal and I, you know, it's amazing to me. I write things down and almost always later, unless it seems like something that wasn't a good fit or whatever, I almost 90% of the things are things that I end up accomplishing. So I think there's so much power in writing it down and mapping out what you actually want in your life because uh, if you don't have a plan, <laughs> it often doesn't work out the way that yeah, it won't, maybe it yeah, could have. Yeah, it won't happen. Yeah, I mean, it won't happen if you don't work toward it. I mean, it's this whole idea you have to put energy into it. And, you know, in going back to Sharon Blackie for a minute and her book, If Women Rose Rooted, you know, she makes the point that, you know, we might not succeed the first time, but we try again. Um, I mean, I think if I recall, uh, she, she uh, made three attempts uh, until she, you know, fully escaped the wasteland, you know. And, um but yeah, yeah, we do have to have a plan and we have to put energy into it because, um, you know, things aren't, I mean, it's like this idea of, um, uh, you know, when we when we do ritual for a, a job, uh, you know, we just can't pray at our altar for a job. We have to send out resumes or, uh, you know, do whatever it is you do these days to find a job. I mean, you know, you have to, you know, you can't be passive. You, you know, you do have to, uh, be participatory in it. You know, it it just can't be, um, you know, a thought process. I think, but it's got to start there, and I think it's got to you got to continually put energy into it. Uh, you know, to to make it manifest. Well, just uh, you know, I want to give you the last uh, the last closing words here, uh, and and please don't forget to tell us how we get your book. Um, how to Live Well Despite Capitalist Patriarchy, because it sounds like it's got a lot of great chapters in it. Thank you, Karen. It has been awesome to talk with you, as always. I could, I can't remember. I think I've been on, I think this is the third time I've been on your show, but I, I couldn't remember for sure. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know for a closing thought. I, you know, I think, I, I could say one thing to women, it would be read more, connect more, put yourself, I, put yourself first seems like such a cliche, but I mean really like stop giving so much of yourself away, you'll have so much more actually to give if you take a little bit back for yourself. So um, the books, uh, they're pretty much, you can find them anywhere, it's great if people buy them on my website because as you know if you buy them from Amazon they 
end up with most of the profits. They give very little to the authors themselves. Um, my website is just thegirlgod.com. Okay. And now, does it matter that you're in Norway, um, I, you know, when it comes to actually buying the books? Are you having to ship those from Norway, or does someone in the no, United States mail them? Anymore. It, it depends. Um, uh, sorry to talk over you. It depends if they're in the U.S. or Europe or wherever I uh, print from a close, the nearest location, because uh, it would not make sense for me at all to mail books from Norway. It's extremely expensive to mail anything from here, and the postage. Uh, I would say that is one of the best parts of Norway is the mail system. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Trista, uh, yeah, I think this is about the third time you've been on the show, and um, I, I, I love talking to you, and uh, I love the work you're doing in the world. And you know what? I am so happy for you uh, being in such a wonderful place, and, um, you know, you deserve it. You, you know, life has not been easy, and I'm so glad you're in a good place now. And, you know, I hope at some point before I leave this earth and this life, um, you know, we see some improvement here in, in the United States, um, you know, like there are in the Scandinavian countries. I hope all of this work, you know, we've been doing planting seeds, um, you know, I hope we see it blossom. I, I really do. I hope so, too, and I think the world of you, Karen, so I really appreciate you having me on again, and I hope I meet you in person one of these days, so <laughs> that would be very fun. Well, well, I hope so, too, and uh, and look, if uh, you want to do a show on any of your other books, um, please let me know. You're always welcome to come back, uh, because it sounds like you got an awful lot there that we could uh you know, that we could talk about, you know, maybe even some of the chapters in some of your books uh, would make some great shows. So, um, you know, if you're up to it, email me and, you know, maybe we'll get some other shows on the calendar. Okay. Yeah, I would love All right. that. Maybe well, thank you, Tristan. a Lilith or Medusa show would be cool. Okay, thanks, Karen. Okay. All right, I think so, too. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, uh, Trista and I's conversation today. Maybe uh, some food for thought or maybe some inspiration. Um, and uh, before you go, though, um, I have that article from Pat, our roving goddess reporter. Uh, stick with me, if you will, because I am going to share it with you um, right after this, uh, because I have something about Joe Carson's film, uh, Dancing with Gaia, for you. So please uh, stick with me, and uh, I'll be right back. tell you about Joe Carson's film Dancing with Gaia, an exploration of earth-based spirituality shot at sacred sites around the world. This is from Janina Renee, author of Playful Magic and By Candlelight. Dancing with Gaia is a magical, transformative film. Just watching it can alter your perception of the physical body and the energy field of the goddess Earth. 
Next time you are taking a walk or simply gazing across the landscape, you might find yourself affecting mystical fusion with the local earth forms or making deep contact with the spirits of place. If you want to engage deeper with the consciousness of the earth, there are a number of detailed but simple how-tos. What's more, seeing the exquisite works of these Gaia-inspired artists could energize you to start working on some of your own spiritually expressive projects. The DVD was shot in some of the most powerfully sacred sites in the Western world. It comes packaged with a 45-page color booklet, which goes even deeper into the ideas and techniques in the film. The package is just $20, and you can get it from dancingwithgaia.com. Well, uh, Dancing with Gaia is available only at dancingwithgaia.com. Please do check it out. Uh, and before you go, as promised, I have this uh, interesting article that Pat, our roving goddess reporter, sent in. And it's by Eva Frederick, and uh, it's titled, Granny Killer Whales Pass Along Wisdom and Extra Fish to their grandchildren. I know this sounds bizarre, but stick with me here. Uh, many human grandmothers love to spoil their grandchildren with attention and treats, and for good reason. Studies have shown that having a living grandmother increases a child's chance of survival. Now, new research shows the same may be true for killer whales. By providing young animals with some freshly caught salmon now and then, or perhaps with knowledge on where to find it, grannies increase their grand offspring's chance of survival. The new study is the first direct evidence in non-human animals of the grandmother hypothesis. This idea posits that females of some species live long after they stop reproducing to provide extra care for their grandchildren. Uh, and here's a quote from Kristen Hawkes, an anthropologist at the University of Utah. She says, it's very cool that these long-lived cetaceans have what looks like a post-fertile life stage. Uh, she says, uh, and Kristen, she's dedicated much of her career to studying the grandmother effect. Um, and she, and the, uh, going on, it says women usually go through menopause between ages 45 and 55, even though may, they may live to be 80, 90, or older. Studies in modern-day hunter-gatherer communities, as well as in populations in Finland and Canada, show that older women can help increase the number of children their daughters have and boost the survival rates of their grandchildren. Dan Franks, a, com a computer scientist and biologist at the University of New York in the UK, wanted to know whether this grandmother effect occurs in other species as well. Enter killer whales, or orcas, one of the few animal species, along with norwals, belugas, and short-finned pilot whales, in which females outlive their fertility. Female killer whales stop having calves in their late 30s or early 40s, but they can live past 100. Males generally have shorter lifespans and keep reproducing until the very end. 
Franks and his colleagues analyzed survival data from two groups of killer whales off the coast of Washington State in British Columbia in Canada and that have been surveyed for decades. When a grandmother died, her grandchildren were 4.5 times more likely to die during the following two years than other whales in the community. The researchers reported to that in the proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. Grandmothers provided an extra boost to their grand offspring in times of need, Frank says. This included when populations of Chinook salmon, the meal of choice for hungry orcas, were low. That's likely because they either shared their catch with the kids or help the community find resources based on their memories of past low salmon years or both. In the new study, male and female grand offspring benefited equally from the presence of a grandmother whale. Um, yeah, a grandmother whale. A surprising finding because young male orcas are thought to be worse at catching salmon than their female counterparts. Perhaps what matters is not just the salmon itself, but what Frank's called the grandmom's leadership. They have more wisdom. They have more information about foraging that they pass on to grandchildren of both genders. Um, Hal Whitehead, a biologist uh, from Halifax, Canada, says, uh, quote, in killer whales, what granny knows is really, really important, unquote. Still, the benefits to grand offspring can't fully explain why the females stop reproducing at a relatively young age, giving up the chance to continue to pass along their genes. Other factors likely play a role as well, Frank said. A uh, study published in 2017, for instance, suggested that when female orcas of multiple generations breed simultaneously, the offspring of older mothers are less likely to survive than those of younger moms because of competition over resources. That, too, could be a reason why older females stop reproducing and focus on their daughter's offspring instead. The new study is based on particularly fantastic data. It's not only revealing about killer whales, but it also tells us a bit about how we should think about the evolution of menopause in humans. In humans, Hawk adds, researchers are still working out whether creatures that outlive their fertility simply evolve longer lifespans or whether natural selection causes them to experience menopause earlier. We don't have a time machine, she says. You can't go back and say, what was it like then? But with more data on other species, she said, we can make better guesses. So anyway, that was pretty interesting, uh, that grandmothers are even important out there in the wild. Okay, uh, well, that about does it for me. Uh, today, listeners, I want to thank you uh, for tuning in. Uh, we have a great show scheduled uh, for February because uh, in a couple days we're going to be in February. Uh, uh, although I uh, am going to be on with you uh, day after tomorrow, Friday, uh, talking about the lion-headed Egyptian goddess Sekhmet. Uh, if you don't know much about her or you only think of her as the mercenary of uh, the Egyptian god Ra, you definitely have to tune in because I promise uh, by the end of the show I will have you realizing what a relevant goddess Sekhmet is for today as deity, archetype, and ideal. Um, 
and uh, you know you will I, I think you will find some new information that uh, perhaps you haven't uh, run across before so be back with me on Friday uh, of this week day after tomorrow at 11 o'clock and um, then in February, the first show on the 5th is with Amanda Scott. She's calling in from the U.K. Uh, we're going to be talking about um, warrior women in history. Uh, David Hillman is back with me in February on the 12th. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, uh, Medea. Uh, how she is actually the mother of uh, contemporary pharmacology and a lot of interesting, controversial uh, spiritual history, religious history uh, that um, you probably have not heard and maybe people don't want you to know. Um, and some other great stuff uh, coming up. Uh, Luis Valdez is uh, with me uh, in February as well. Um, you know, we're going to be talking about, uh, uh, you know, uh, Christianity and um, how Christianity goes hand in glove with predator capitalism uh, as opposed to, um, you know, some of the values um, you know, that come in uh, democratic socialism uh, like Trista and I were talking about today. Um, so anyway, there's lots of good stuff coming up um, from, you know, lots of different uh, uh, perspectives. So uh, please, uh, if you haven't yet, uh, go to the show page of Voices of the Sacred Feminine and hit the follow button. Uh, if you hit that follow button, you won't have to remember to tune into the show because you will get in your inbox a reminder uh, of what show is happening this week, what the topic is, and you just have to click the button in the email and it will take you right to the show. Cause, so it makes life much more convenient uh, for you. And uh, then you don't miss the great information that uh, all the guests on Voice of the Sacred Feminine are here to impart to you. So uh, thanks again to Trista Hendren uh, for being on the show today. Uh, I um, Definitely uh, wholeheartedly recommend her Girl God series, uh, and I'm sure there's just uh, a ton of good stuff in her book, How to Live Well Despite Capitalist Patriarchy. Uh, we all need to be thinking about our quality of life. We all have to be thinking about our quality of life. Even if nobody else is asking you, you have to ask yourself about your quality of life. All right, uh, that does it for, uh, for me today. Uh, sisters and brothers out there, thank you again for tuning in, and um, come back and see me on Friday. Good day. Bye-bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.